one there it is <laughs> a little bit late but here we go we're getting ready to rock and roll welcome everybody to another fun episode we're gonna have fun uh we got a guest coming to us from canada today it's gonna be awesome all right here we go practicing polyamory real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory the mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, all right. We are getting ready to rock and roll this thing. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you all, as always, for tuning in. Before we jump in, I just want to quickly cover three things once again. Uh, first of all, we did it! We got past the 100 YouTube subscri subscribers mark, so you can now find us at youtube.com slash practicing and I'm gonna spend this week celebrating. If you wanna subscribe, we're still looking for subscribers, of course, we'll appreciate it. It is free, I'll mention that, it is free to subscribe, so please do so, and follow us also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, at practicing Um and now that we're at the 100 uh, YouTube subscribers, I would love if you would leave some iTunes or Spotify or wherever it is that you're downloading the podcast. Leave us a review, a five stars if we if you think we deserve it. I hope so. Uh, would love that and uh, help us show up higher on those search results. All right. Number two, super excited about this still. This week on Friday, going to have Dr. Eli Sheff on the show at 11 a.m. Uh, she's the author of The Polyamorous Next Door and is the foremost expert on polyamorous families. Uh, if you have questions, send me a DM on any social media at Practicing Polya and make sure to go to bondingproject.com. Take the bonding type test to get an idea of your bonding style because we're going to be talking about that again this Friday at 11 a.m. Uh, Pacific. 2 p.m. Eastern Time. And the last thing I always want to remind everybody, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a welcomed guest to be on the show. Whether you're polyamorous, polycurious, professional serving the polyamorous community, and whatever your orientation is, gay, lesbian, trans, NBA, arrow, queer, whatever it is, we want to hear your story. The more stories we hear, the more the world learns about us, the more representation we have, and the better we can serve our community. All right, that's it for the three things. Now the most important thing to introduce our guest. Our guest today is no stranger to polyamory as she's been practicing non-monogamy for 12 years and polyamory for the past four. She's the hinge in a V or Z if we count the entire polycule. And as an avid and active outdoors aficionado, she loves to be outside playing hockey and baseball with her partners. One big lesson that she's learned over the years is that polyamory is not for the faint of heart. Managing multiple relationships and the emotions surrounding them takes a lot of work, but can be incredibly rewarding. Reducing the stigma around polyamory and non-monogamy is super important for her, as she and her partners are working through the challenges of coming out and being public. I'm excited to chat with and learn from her today. Joining us today from our neighbor to the north in British Columbia, did I get that right? Canada. <laughs> no? Oh, I was off. All right. Well, in Canada anyway. Welcome to the show, Jesse C. <laughs> Jesse, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you making the time. 
Thank you. Yeah, we're just actually uh, kind of near the Toronto area, just in the kind of the rural area of Ontario. So Ontario. Ah, one of these days I'm going to learn my Canadian states and get these things right. <laughs> uh, but for now, you know, thank you for your graciousness and, you know, letting me make mistakes. I'm human, right? We're all human. We're all going to make mistakes. Of course. It's so much worse. So much worse. Uh, let's just jump into some of these mistakes. Well, you know what? Let's not maybe not necessarily talk about mistakes all the way through, but you know, let's talk about Jesse's history. You wanted to go, go over kind of some of the stuff that uh, you have gone through. Tell me a little bit about your story. Um, you know, 12 years non-monogamous, four years polyamorous. And then sometime in there, you met your current partner, right? Tell me a little bit about your story. Yeah, so um, I was really young when I met my husband. So our current situation is um, I'm married to a man and I also have a boyfriend and we all live together. And I also have nice. a fe female uh, Maida as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so when I went off to school, I was kind of young and we kind of did the long distance relationship and we were kind of uh, open during that time, but kind of like just more of, uh, I guess, the experimental type, I guess you would call it, going through mm -hmm. the university phases um so that was like interesting in itself but I always felt like I was missing like kind of that connection part like it wasn't just right. about, like sexual for me so that was uh really really challenging kind of going through that um we kind of ended up gearing towards like close friendships a lot of the time um mm -hmm. just like a, in like a comfort zone which I feel from like my talking to other people that that's something that people do do often um so when I got done university, we kind of, uh, I guess, transitioned to, to being like swingers, I guess. Mm -hmm. That would be the, the title that we were given at that time. So again, and we started to then focus more on like um, foursomes was kind of the go-to. Mm -hmm. And uh, the same idea, just kind of like lacking that connection with that. But we right. learned a lot during that time. It was kind of a lot of trial and error. Um, and then about six years ago, we kind of like dove deeper into the emotional. So um, and in doing that, that's where we started to kind of like open up to close friends a little bit more and like people knowing about our situation, which um, kind of is in itself. And then four years ago, while playing hockey, um, my current boyfriend he ended up joining our team and he knew about our situation um he was completely mono and uh didn't really have any experience but he was really interested in that so he kind of like kept hanging out, out with us and uh like continued to play hockey and we never really thought that it would turn into you know four years later where we're at now but uh it definitely did develop and it was kind of like an an awesome experience in itself um, about over a year ago, he officially moved into um, the home with us. So we all uh, lived together. And about the same time is also when my husband uh, developed a more serious girlfriend as well. So mm -hmm. uh, she lives separately from us. But that's kind of the, the history of where we're at. Nice. I, I love it. So there's, there was a couple of things that you were talking about there. Uh, one was when you mentioned swingers, like you kind of put it in in a quote, right? Uh, because 
maybe there's a, a discomfort or something with with labels or maybe there's just something about labels and i wanted to talk to you kind of about this idea of labels so you've been practicing non-monogamy for tw uh, 12 years right you went from open to swinging and now to polyamory and we've got all of these different like rules i guess all of these different uh ways of interacting with other partners in each of these so can you tell me a little bit about like the experience uh i mean one of the things that you talked about was that it was kind of lacking that emotional connection so how did you approach that how did you approach talking to your to your husband and saying you know what it's fun, you know, hanging out with these other couples and, and having sexy times and doing all these things. But like, I'm, I'm looking for something deeper. I'm looking for something more. How did that conversation go? Um, I think with him, I think like even for me, that conversation was kind of um, I'm the one that was seeking deeper, whereas he may not be on like the same emotional wave. Um, I think he's kind of like comfortable with either or, but he was more about making my experience is more comfortable. Um, I use like kind of not swinging always being like a one and done type. But if you picture mm -hmm. kind of like going to the bar scene, it could be more of like the one and done type. And that just has never really been um, a thing of mine at all. So mm -hmm. I think kind of gearing towards making sure that it was going to be even even when we were swinging, we focused on making sure that it was going to be an ongoing thing instead of just a one and done so um there's been even more recent experiences i wouldn't say that we don't dip i guess but there's been like some more recent experiences where there was a couple that was approaching like our polycule and they wanted to um have more of a sexual experience and and as it got the time got closer and closer it just kind of felt like they were just looking for that like sexual whereas we wanted more like come over play games and you know right. like have drinks and be social and they were just kind of like yeah we're gonna come and then we're gonna do our thing and then leave and that made me really uncomfortable and both actually um of my partners they like right away recognized that that wasn't my thing and they were really comfortable to be like you know you get to make that decision like if you're not comfortable or whatever then it doesn't matter to us it would be great to try something new but if you're not comfortable let's just say no yeah, that's that's the thing about consent, right? If it's not a hell yes, it's a no. That's <laughs> I mean, that's a lesson that I learned from uh, the community uh, years ago. And I, I kind of just carry that with me. If it's not a hell yes, it's a no. It, I don't believe that we should be trying to convince our partners to be comfortable with one thing or another. Like if they're not comfortable, then cool, you're not comfortable with it. If you want to take the time to work on that, marinate on that, and maybe become more comfortable, then great. You know, that's that's absolutely on you. Uh, but there's, I'm not going to be the one to pressure a partner into getting into a situation that they don't want to be involved in. You can't handle the truth. Yeah, exactly. It's It's got to be true to that person. It's got to be uh, absolute truth. So, all right staying on this idea of labels right so you guys were doing the the open and swinging and then you transitioned to polyamory did you discover the term at some point and it was like ding light bulb can you tell me a little bit about that experience 
Yeah, like I didn't know a lot of the terminology, even like when I said swingers in quotation mark, I guess we just kind of thought we were having fun and didn't know that there was a label for it until people Mm -hmm. started to call us that. Um, So even with the poly situation, um, I just I feel like we were just kind of dating. And I guess we still kind of thought that we were swingers, but we weren't. And then it was actually ironically um my husband's girlfriend at the time I, I i knew her first actually and she was the one that kind of introduced me to more of this terms because she was already living that lifestyle um so just meeting her and learning a lot um more terminology was kind of through her so that's and then i did my own research after that so um but I, what I, books I, what books or what research did you do um when you discovered polyamory, like, did you read any specific books, any blogs, anything like that? Yeah. So I have uh, like read the typical one, like the ethical slut. And then I'm reading the um, poly home right now. So like that has all the different types of poly uh, within it. And then um, usually at night when I can't sleep, I just kind of Google more. I try to focus a lot on like kind of what's happening in in Canada, though, just because some of the Facebook groups that I've been in, um, they talk a lot about like legal things. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't think that's like applicable to here. So then I end up doing a lot of my research. And I like to keep up with kind of like some of the exciting stuff that's happening here. Um, I mentioned that um, like multiple parents being listed on a birth certificate recently. Right. Um, I forget what province that's in, but uh, that is like super exciting to me. Um, yeah. We're planning to expand in the future with kids. So um, <gasps> yeah, like Ooh. just reading, reading about that is, is kind of, is super exciting to me. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when we talked, we, we got a chance to talk a little bit yesterday and you mentioned that in Canada, there's no laws necessarily against polyamory. Is that? Yeah. Like to my knowledge, right? I haven't, I haven't found anything that necessarily like is going to put us in jail. Um, like to refer to, even if I was to refer to somebody as being like my boyfriend or my husband, um, like there's nothing that I've found out there anyways. And my research that's going to, you know, put jail time. Whereas I know some of the States and, 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 uh, the US that is the case. So mm-hmm, we're kind of mm-hmm. lucky. There still isn't really, I guess, protection out there either. Um, having said that, like, my employer, I am at like a larger organization, and my employer is very familiar um, with my home situation. Um, and they're very kind of supportive, like I don't have a lot of issues, but that doesn't necessarily mean that all employers in, in Ontario or Canada are going to be like that. I'm just really fortunate with where I am. Nice. Well, that's that's a perfect segue, actually, into uh, talking about the struggles of coming out, Um, because being in Canada, you do have fewer restrictions. Uh, As you were saying, here in the States, uh, there are states that have laws against adultery. So I don't know if it's necessarily jail, um, but I I am aware that they will slap people with fines and do all kinds of other things. So there are actually laws against adultery and polyamory would be considered adultery in in the eyes of the law in those states. Oh, hell no. Exactly, Steve. Hell no. Come on. Come on, people. Uh, Massachusetts, on the other hand, is one state that uh, has essentially legalized uh, polyamory or recognizes it on a governmental level. So that's pretty great. Um, For you in Canada, you don't necessarily have the legal repercussions, but 
possibly, you know, you're at, at your company, everything's okay, but it's not necessarily the case all the way around. What are some of the struggles that you're seeing for yourself and for your community in Canada when it comes to coming out? Um, I think like a lot of the challenges are still similar. Um, one of the things, like I mentioned, I am like in a rural, rural area. Um, so small community problems, um, mm -hmm. like we're very active in sports and we are like very, very social people. So um, that has its benefits and its challenges in itself. Um, so actually when I met my boyfriend, he was uh, telling his best friend that he was bringing his girlfriend to a party and it was supposed to be like a small party and it was, but again, small community and I show up and I end up knowing multiple people at this uh, small gathering. And they're <laughs> like, um, isn't she engaged? Which at the time I, I was engaged, we weren't married yet. And um, so that kind of was its own battle. That's That started a spiral of issues actually. Mm. Um, because we weren't really like out out at that time, just kind of close friends knew. Um, so that came down to like my boyfriend was, you know, being threatened and um, was like being called a homewrecker because they thought that like there was a lot of cheating involved and that it wasn't communication and didn't really realize that it was consensual. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then there's like the other side where people think like, oh, they're just really freaky, I guess. Um, and, <laughs> you know, that that part of it. And then we also like we had close friends and stuff as well kind of back off that had known us for a long time like they just felt uncomfortable like once they knew it's like they didn't know when everything was okay but then when they did know um a lot of them like associated with associated us with being swingers which there is kind of like a, a bad taste maybe for that like that you know we're going to approach every everybody and anybody with legs and try to date them and their husband and you know and that's like a lot of the stigma that we had to actually go through in the beginning um and we had friends that like didn't actually come to our buck and doe which i don't know what you guys call that like jack and jill stag and doe um Oh, but when yeah, we were okay. getting married because they were afraid that if they came, then they were going to be um, socially classed as the same as us, that they were going to be mm -hmm. considered swingers if they came and that they associated with us. So, I mean, that was really awful to kind of go through in the beginning. But I think as like time progressed, I really wanted to break down that stigma associated with it. So, you know, like we would all go out as a family, all three of us, and, and we would do things together, whether it be continue to play sports and stuff. And people got to see like how we interact. And I actually had like one friend, they invited us over and like for, for a game night, which we love games. And after we had left, they were, she had came out and said like, I was really nervous to invite you guys over because I thought you guys would try to hit on us and that would make me uncomfortable. But you guys just came over and you played games and it was a lot of fun and we should do that again. And you know, so just like breaking down that, like, we don't want to date everybody, but for some reason, that's kind of the first thing that people kind of jump yeah. to. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I, I completely agree with you. That is a huge stigma. That's like a, a, a narrative or a story that, uh, people when they learn about what polyamory is because i think a lot of people don't even know the term right they don't even you're poly who what you're poly what 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 are you talking about right so when they start to educate themselves when or when they when we tell them well polyamorous means you know i have multiple partners so you know i have you know my wife and my girlfriend or you know my husband and my boyfriend or you know whatever you have all these different things 
um they they definitely have that fear that's that's that is a narrative so it's it's interesting i don't think it means what you think it means thank you couldn't have said it better myself that's <laughs> good good call on that clip it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that we're going to go after every single one of your partners and i love that you actually had that opportunity to hang out with a friend and really change their mind on that that's that's wonderful i think we've been able to change a lot of people's mind um because we have grown and like i said we are very known in our small community um so we have a lot of people that will come to us and kind of like ask questions and i'm and i'm the first person that like i'm happy to talk about it anybody that wants to learn um i'm happy to explain things anything that like i've experienced anything about my own situation and i think people just like you know the getting those questions out and learning has broken down the stigma around it in general and that we have like been able to rebuild friendships that may have been broken in the beginning because of it so and even like with our family and stuff um as i had mentioned we did end up coming out officially with our like immediate family members Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. well um that kind of happened around the same time that our partner moved into um our house just because you know it, it was really uncomfortable to to disclude him from events so right, like right. dinners and and things like that it was just really really hard so um last yeah. summer we decided to come out to our family as well that this is somebody that you care about somebody that's an important part of your life you don't want to exclude them like you said you don't want them not to be part of those family dinners and part of all these things. I love that. Um, can you, if, if you're comfortable, can you tell me a little bit about that experience of coming out to immediate family? How did they take it? Um, and like, who did you tell first? Was there like a priority list of people that you wanted to tell? Um, so my uh, boyfriend's parents, they, they knew from pretty much the beginning because I was engaged or married when we first met. So they've always been really welcoming and they've known uh, from the beginning. So it wasn't too much. I mean, it was a little bit scary at first, but uh, they're really open and they like invite me and my husband to um, like all the family functions already. So then I started with my husband's mom. Um, She's more of a chill person i guess is the best way Mm -hmm. to describe it um and we were actually at our family cottage uh when i decided to tell her um and it went really good like really good like she was so open and welcoming and even like to this day like she's she's so considerate of others like she is always making sure that she includes everybody when there's something going on and so does like I guess, I guess my sister-in-law and brother-in-law on my husband's side, I guess they've always known too. So I, I guess we just were close in age. So I don't consider that a coming out. They're kind of more of like in the friend zone. Mm. Um, but they, they also like are, are very inclined to invite everybody to dinner and all that. So um, in, on the phone, when she's saying goodbye, she always says to like, make sure you say hi to both of them kind of thing. Right, right. When we first told her about my husband's girlfriend, um, she has some children. And uh, it was around Christmas was coming up and she goes, oh, like, I'm just wondering, like, what do the kids like or whatever? I'd like to buy them a Christmas present. So, like, she's just very, very. It's so heartwarming. Yeah. And then on my side of the family, um, I've only really told my officially told my mom and 
Um, even to this day, I feel like she's still digesting it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know that feeling. I'm right there in that same boat with you. You know, uh, w- when I came out, I told my mom and she didn't say a word. We were driving somewhere. She didn't say a word the mm-hmm. entire ride. When we finally got there, she gets out of the house. She gives me a hug. She says, I love you, mijo, you know, whatever. Okay. So mom loves me. She, she's not wild or crazy about this you know, choice that I'm making. She's not excited about it, but she loves me. So that's enough. Yeah. And I, I feel like we have that across the board. Like I haven't actually like coming into our family, I haven't really necessarily ex- like experienced anything bad. Um, so it's, it's a lot to digest. Um, especially like if you have like religious backgrounds and certain family members as mm-hmm. well. But uh, overall, like the advantage of being out, like a lot of people really contemplate whether it's worth it or not. And I mean, you've heard Mm. my bad side, you know, in the beginning of kind of what I had to go through. But now, like being out is amazing. Like I get to talk about it with whoever, um, like Mm -hmm, even, mm -hmm. you know, some people that are trying to find partners, like finding new partners, if that's what you're still seeking, like that is easier. Uh, Being able to include everybody, like I said, family dinners, like it's amazing. Not being able to have to like hide who you are, um, like that's just so key. And I mean, all three of my partners like messaged before going on, like wishing me luck and everything like that. So like the support system of going through all this outweighs all the negative. Like I would never turn back and change it because... Like, it's so rewarding. Like, I love everything that we do together. And like, it's just, it's literally a family and we're growing. I love that so much. That is such a wonderful thing to hear uh, for anybody who is considering coming out right now, um, you know, more power to you. Uh, I, I, I wish you the best. You know, if anybody is considering coming out, wants to talk about it, uh, I will make myself available for sure. If you want to send me a DM, there it is, practicing poly A. Um, and if you would like to get connected with Jesse with your permission, uh, I would, you know, connect you guys as well. Um, it's, I, I agree. I agree. It's totally worth it. Um, for me, the most important people that I had to tell in person were my parents. After that, it was like, hey, whoever finds out online or when I start doing this podcast or whatever else, cool. That's good. One less thing. Exactly. <laughs> one less thing I have to worry about. One less thing I have to hide. Uh, one more way that I can be authentic. And being out, like you said, like it's just, it's about even reducing the stigma. Like uh, one post I know that yes. you had saw on a Facebook group that I had actually was the author of, but I wasn't the author of the photo. So I didn't um, let you share it, but it was a picture that had one child and four parents in the picture. And um, I really kind of took people through an emotional roller coaster of comparing this to a broken family with um, like separated parents and then them moving on to others. One versus uh picturing this as a like a a polytype family and kind of the stigma of like you know people are so socially accepting now of like separated families and are supportive as long as everybody's there for the child um Mm -hmm. and then i kind of compared that to then picturing this picture being like a poly picture um and how does that make people feel and often it makes people feel uncomfortable so i really challenge people to think like why does this make it uncomfortable if everybody's there still for the child and everybody's happy then why does it matter if they're living a different lifestyle than others and i really just you know as we're starting to 
plan to to have children. Um, I you know I don't know how that's still going to see and be viewed like socially, and that's something mm-hmm. that we still mm-hmm. like kind of struggle with. Um, like who's going to pick up the kid from you know our public school of a hundred people because that's how many kids are in the school. You know right. what are the parents going to think having multiple parents and and whatnot. So I just really want to reduce that stigma even around that as that's our next journey. I absolutely love that. And uh, an encouraging note for you and for anybody else who's listening who is polyamorous and thinking of uh, growing your family. Uh, as I keep talking about this Friday, I'm going to have Dr. Elizabeth Chef on the show. She has been studying polyamorous families for 25 years. Her first book called The Polyamorists Next Door uh covers her first 15 years of research and she and other researchers continue to find that children from polyamorous families grow up with um with more resources right there are there's more time for adults to uh spend with that child there's more attention being given to that child there's uh more financial resources when there are more adults in the house. Um, so, so there's a lot of actually advantages for polyamorous children. And we'll definitely touch on that, uh, this Friday, 11 AM, keep bringing it up. Um, but yeah, so Jesse, I hope that that's encouraging for you and for anybody else who's listening. Um, wow. This has been such a wonderful <laughs> show. We're, we're coming up on our 30 minutes. Is there any last minute uh, advice or just a, a last minute note that you wouldn't want to leave for the audience? Um, I would say, I would say to just not give up if this is truly what you want and you're not doing it as a relationship fixer, because that's not the way to go about it. But if this is truly what you and your partner want, have lots of open communication and conversations about it and and don't give up. A lot of people start by just pursuing like, you know, a female, which is okay if that's what you want and you're doing it ethically. Um, But it can be hard and it can be very discouraging for men to find partners in this kind of setting compared to the females, which, you know, I'm not going to say we have it easier, but I feel like sometimes we do have it easier. Um, I just, you know, to the men to not give up because your um, wife or your girlfriend was able to find somebody before you as well. Mm -hmm, Just be mm -hmm. open-minded. And, you know, I think it's like our journey has been over, like I had mentioned over 12 years now and it like there was lots of hard times and, it wasn't always easy, but the reward in the end is like amazing. And honestly, if you knew me personally um, and you knew anybody that did know me, like they're going to say, oh, yeah, they're kind of like in this like, you know, interesting relationship. But man, they're so awesome people like their relationship is so neat once they learn about it. And it's so strong and we're able to talk about everything. So like just keep working at it and uh, it will pay off. It really will. Nice. I 100% agree with you. Uh, we didn't get a chance to get into it. Um, maybe we'll get into it tomorrow. Uh, but jealousy was something I wanted to ask about. And, uh, you know, that that's definitely something that comes up often. Uh, and, you know, we, we've been talking to and we'll continue to talk to therapists and relationship coaches and people, real people in the community that have dealt with jealousy. So uh, this will be something that, that we'll continue to talk about. And, you know, it, so much more to go, so much more to learn. Uh, Jesse, thank you so much for spending some time with me again. It's really been a pleasure to get to know you. Thank you so much for having me. 
And thank you, as always, to our live audience. Thank you all for tuning in. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same cannot be said for those podcast downloads. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 p.m. Pacific time, or sign up for our Patreon where you'll get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to head over to bondingproject.com between now and this Friday so you'll know what Dr. Eli Chef and I are talking about. And subscribe. Yeah, keep subscribing to YouTube. Of course, keep subscribing to YouTube. Uh, But leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, Leave us uh, a review on Spotify, wherever it is that you're listening to us. Um, Would really appreciate that. Thanks again for hanging out with us today. Have a nice day. Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash